And all God's people said today, Amen. Amen. That's one of my favorite songs of all time, and that was a surprise to me. So that was that was a blessing. Thank you, Steve, very, very much. How excited I am, church family, to preach on this Sunday. Um, ordinarily on Disciple Now Sunday, the pastor does not get to preach, but I feel um, extraordinarily blessed to be able to really offer the culmination to our Disciple Now weekend. I have a job to do with you because you probably were not a part of it. Some of you were here to cook breakfast. You were kind of in and then back out. But it has been a wonderful weekend in the life of our student ministry. Disciple Now has been an important part of Baptist life, church life, student ministry life, for really as far as I can remember. And our focus this week was really two-pronged. First of all, out of Scripture, we were focused on the book of 1 Peter, and we'll find ourselves there this morning. But our theme, as Tim has told us earlier, was Gobstopper Hope. I want you to say that with me. Say Gobstopper Hope. All right. Now, now it's obvious where that comes from. I think we can easily make the connection that Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is the one who brought us the term. Willy Wonka introduced us to the Oompa Loompas, to a, to a fruit called a Snallsberry, if you remember the movie. And then also he introduced us to the Everlasting Gobstopper. And so it's an easy transition to make today, a good connection. When we say gobstopper hope, we're really saying what? Everlasting hope. And that hope cannot be found in this life, in any sort of vocation, in any sort of relationship. Everlasting hope can only be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. And so gobstopper hope, everlasting hope, that's our theme and I want to build on First Peter today. I want to build on the Gobstopper Hope theme by talking to us this morning about good days and bad days. Good, hope-filled days and bad, hopeless days. And I want to talk about good days and bad, di- bad days by, by connecting us with some, some ideas of how one might have a bad day. How many of you have ever had a bad day in your life? Every single one of us, right? And I want to be humorous off the start today. A funny list of how you know, right, you're having a bad day. Here's number seven. You compliment the boss's wife for her unusual perfume and discover she isn't wearing any, right? You know you're having a bad day. Uh, Your four-year-old tells you it's impossible to flush a grapefruit down the toilet. Uh, you know you're having a bad day. Grapefruits were an important part of Disciple Now um, this weekend. Number five, you call your answering service and they tell you it's none of your business. Uh, You know you're having a bad day. Someone says you look good for 40 and you're only 22. All right, now now in that light, I want to throw up this, this for us today. I thought this was appropriate. You said pastoring a church is stressful. I'm 42 and feeling great, right? And maybe that's the way I feel right now as well. Kind of bleary-eyed, but yet excited. Let's move on to number three. You put both contacts in the same eye. You know it's going to be a bad day. Uh, Number two, you have to sit down after brushing your teeth because you're out of breath. You know you're having a bad day. And number one, it's really not all that funny, it costs more 
to fill up your car than it did to buy it. Uh, you know you're having a bad day. So, so there are plenty of bad days. I hope this is not one of those for you, but they're certainly around in our lives. And that's, that's why we really appreciate what the Bible says. In the passage that we're about to read, it tells us that you can love life and have good days. How many of you are interested in that? Let's go ahead and stand together. Take your Bibles in hand. 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 8. As I said, our theme has been in 1 Peter all weekend long, and we're here again this morning. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 12. Here we go. Finally, Peter writes, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic, love as brothers, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. God bless you, church. Let's be seated together. Verse number 10 is the verse that I want you to see. Whoever would love life... And see good days. Now, we want good days. I'm pretty confident in saying that. Every single one of us wants good, hope-filled, gobstopper-type days, right? But I'm afraid too many people go through life dreading their days. They dread that they're going to have one bad, hopeless day after another. Henry David Thoreau actually spoke about this. He said, the mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation. Uh, but as followers of Christ, we say today, it doesn't have to be that way. Because Jesus said this in John 10.10, 10, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Another way we hear that interpreted, I have come that you might have life and have it what? More abundantly. You see, you can love life. You can have good, hope-filled days. Not because your circumstances are worth anything, but only because God is good. I want you to turn to your neighbor right now and say, God is good. Just tell him, God is good. Now, verse 12, let's move forward to verse 12, because this is the verse that's going to guide us today. It gives us three fundamental truths about the goodness of God. It says something about God's eyes. It says something about God's ears. And it says something about God's face. And while we're on this notion of God's ears, eyes, and face, have you ever wondered what God looks like? That, that's a question that many of us ponder, right? Many people visualize God as some old man with a flowing robe and, and a long beard. But the truth is no one on this side has ever seen God. All right? No human has ever laid eyes on him. Most of us have a mental image, but it's bound to be wrong. And it reminds me of the story of the child. This little boy was drawing pictures with crayons. His mother asked him, what are you drawing? He said, I'm drawing a picture of God. She said, son, nobody knows what God looks like. And he looked up with a wry smile and he says, they will soon, right? 
and, and it's, but as far as we know, God doesn't actually have ears and eyes and a nose or a mouth. The writers of Scripture employ those images to help us understand God. It's called anthropomorphism. It's giving God human characteristics, and they do that to help us understand His nature. So you see, the use of these three physical qualities, they're simply word pictures to teach us this powerful truth that God is good. So in light of that inherent goodness, you can make every day a good, hope-filled day. Here's how. Here's the first thing I want to talk about. You can have a good, hope-filled day when you sense that God's eyes are watching you. How many of you know this morning that God is watching you? Verse number 12 says, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. Anyone who is in Christ has been declared by God to be righteous. So if you're in Christ, if you're a Christian and Christ is in you, God has his eyes on you and nothing, absolutely nothing escapes his gaze. Does anybody have a dollar bill? I want you to take it out if you do. Now we had a magician yesterday who, who asked one of the kids to bring out a dollar bill. And um, he made it go away and disappear. And at the end of the service, he made it appear inside a grapefruit. I, I still can't understand how the guy did that. I, I'm totally wigged out by the, this guy yesterday. I'm not going to make your dollar bill disappear, okay? So just raise it up if you have it. And, and, and more than that, look on the back side of it, okay? I want to talk you through some things. On the back side of a $1 bill, there are two circles. I don't know if you've ever examined this. But there are two circles representing the official seal of the United States. In the left circle, there's this unfinished pyramid. Have you ever seen this? Are you looking at it now? An unfinished pyramid to represent that the American endeavor is never completed, right? And the Latin below that pyramid is this phrase, Novus Ordo Seclorum. It means a new order in the world, a new order of the world, for the world. And the Latin above that pyramid, look at it if you can see it, anuit coeptus. It means God has blessed our undertaking. And the founders of our nation, when they created our money, our dollar, they wanted to declare that this great nation, right, could never have been established without the help of God. So just below that statement, anuit coeptus, what do you see? Interesting. You see this all-seeing eye. Do you see that? We've always gazed at that all of our life. What in the world is that? The founders of the nation never, um, they used that because they wanted to say it was an ancient symbol to portray that God is constantly watching the affairs of men. So our founders of our nation took a biblical truth that I'm talking about today that God watches over the affairs of the world. It's biblical. Proverbs chapter 15 verse 3. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere keeping watch over the wicked and the good. So, so today let's just lay out the simple truth. I want you to know and remember and realize God is watching you. Now, for some, you, you think that's bad news. Oh, my goodness, God is watching me. But let me, let me clarify. God's not watching you to get you. 
He's not watching like a heavenly policeman who's trying to catch you doing something wrong. No, he's watching because he loves you and he wants to help you. Second Chronicles 16.9 For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. You see, God has always been doing this. He is conducting a global search to find a man who loves him. To find a woman who's committed to him. To find teenagers, right, who are growing in their love and their trust and their passion for Almighty God. To find children who love Jesus. Children who will commit their hearts fully to him. And when he sees that in you, guess what? God gives you strength. There's a true story about students who were standing in this lunch line. They were at a Catholic elementary school, and at the head of the line was this tray loaded with apples. And and a nun had made a note, and she posted it on the tray. It said, take only one apple, God is watching. And at the end of the line, there was this large pile of chocolate chip cookies, right? And a student, a little, a wise guy, had placed a sign on that tray of cookies. It said, take all the cookies you want because God's watching the apples, right? (laughs) But the point is this. God can watch both. (laughs) God can watch you and he can watch me at the same time. And when he's doing that, he isn't just an uninterested spectator. No, he really cares. Folks, you can have good hope-filled days because God's eye is on you. Turn to the person next to you and say, God is watching you. Tell them. Now say this, because he loves you. You see, it's totally different. You can have good hope-filled days because God is watching you. He loves you. Say amen to that. Uh, Let me give you the second idea today. You can have a good hope-filled day when we speak in such ways that please God's ears. (laughs) Go back to verse 12. It says his ear is attentive. So not only is God watching, guess what? He's also listening. And there are two things I want to hit on that God hears. Here's the first one. God hears what you say to others and about others. You see, the Bible tells us in verse 10... That the key to having a good day is found in restraining our runaway tongue. Go to verse 10 with me. Whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. If you're a follower of Christ, you can't talk the way you used to talk before you knew Jesus. You shouldn't. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have been given a different language to speak. That's the language of kindness. When somebody insults you, you don't give back insults. When somebody lies about you, you don't tear into them, right? No, you're a different kind of person. You don't boil over with anger anymore. You don't get in other people's faces. You remember the Bible says, a soft answer turns away wrath. There's a story of a pastor who had two rowdy sons who were constantly fighting each other. You ever had kids like this, right? 
And he looked out the window one summer afternoon and he saw his boys fighting and kicking right there in the middle of the vegetable garden. And he, and he rushed over and he separated them. And the younger son screamed, he started it. He called me a bad name. And the dad says this, now, now son, don't you remember that verse from Proverbs that we read last night? A soft answer turns away wrath. And the son said, yes, sir, I remember. And that's exactly what I did. When he called me that nasty name, I responded with a soft tomato right to his face. Right? <laughs> We've heard the little child's taunt. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Can I say this to you? That's a lie. not true the truth is in my life words have hurt me deeper than anything else words that other people have spoken to me or about me behind my back it's happened to you too right i saw a statement a long ago that caused me to think it said be careful with your words in a matter of seconds you may inflict profound wounds that may take years to heal so you see, God is listening. He hears what you say to others and about others. Let me, let me go to a second thing. God also hears when you call out to him. This is exciting to me. God's ear is attuned to you. And most people forget that. Maybe many don't even ever realize that. God actually longs to hear from you. And God always does answer prayer. Let me say that again. God does always answer prayers. Sometimes people pray and they don't get the answer they want. And they wonder, is God really listening to me? Does my prayer just bounce off the ceiling? Is it even getting there? He's always listening. But that doesn't mean that you always get your, grant, your request granted. I learned this a long time ago. When you ask for something and the request is not right, God says no. When you ask for something and you aren't right, God says grow. When you ask for something and the timing's not right, God says slow. When you ask for something and the request, the timing, and you are right, then then God says go. You understand that? God does answer prayer. So remember this great promise, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. Do you have a broken spirit? God is listening to you. Is your spirit crushed? God is turning his ear toward you. And here's what's so good about God. I had this conversation with one of our church members this week. So amazing. Even though millions, billions of people are praying to God, even simultaneously, all these voices crying out to him at the same moment, his ear is still open to you as if you were the only one Talking. One of the great spiritual giants of the 20th century was A.W. Tozer. And here's what he said. An infinite God can give all of himself to each of his children. He doesn't distribute himself that each may have a part, but to each one he gives all of himself as fully as if there were no others. Wow, right? What a mighty God we serve. Turn to the person next to you right now. Say, God's listening to you. And now say this, because he cares about you. You see, we can have good, hope-filled days because God hears us. Say amen to that. Amen. Third, 
We can have good, hope-filled days when we seek God's face for our decisions. So we've spoken about God's eyes, right? We've spoken about God's ears. But verse 12 also says something about God's face. And I want to hold out two dynamic, important things about seeking God's face. First, hear this. When we sin, when you sin, you lose sight of God's face. When you sin, you lose sight of God's face. The Bible says when we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with God and one another. But when we get off track, it's like we turn away the light of God's face. When we sin, we're walking away from God's holiness and glory. When we sin, we have to confess our sin, right, and walk back into the light. God's holiness, folks, is solid and secure. It's steady. It keeps on shining. But sometimes we wander away from the light. And when that happens, we don't just lose sight of His face. Verse 12 says, God sets His face even against us. And that means our lives become miserable. If you want to have bad, hopeless days, turn your face away from God. Let me tell you something else. When you see God's face, that's when you know you're on the right path. People ask me all the time, Pastor, how do I know if I'm walking in obedience to God? You'll see His face. You'll be in the light. You'll know it. You'll feel it. It'll feel right in your spirit. That's why the psalmist said, Your face, O Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Folks, God's not playing cosmic hide and seek. In fact, He tells us when we seek Him, we'll find Him. If we seek Him with all of our heart. So when you face that important decision on which way to go, just look to His face, right? His glory. And you'll be in the right direction. You'll be on the right path. The Bible says the glory of the Lord is found in the face of Jesus. As long as we can see Jesus, we'll always know we're walking in the light. Let me tell you one of my favorite stories by Robert Louis Stevenson. It's not Treasure Island, by the way. It's a simple little story I read about that, that most people don't know. It's a, it's a story that he told. It's about a sailing ship caught in this terrible storm. And the passengers were below deck. They were alarmed that the ship might sink. They were hanging on, right, for dear life. And finally, one of the men untethers himself against the orders of the captain. He goes up on the deck. He makes his way to the captain standing at the helm. And when he gets there, the captain is literally, with a rope, tethered to his post. The waves are sweeping over to keep him from being swept off the ship. He's tethered to the post. But when he saw the passenger was greatly frightened, and the passenger was, right? All he did was just look at the passenger and give a reassuring smile. Well, that passenger made his way back down below... And he said, I've seen the face of the captain, and he smiled at me. You see, he said, all is well. Don't be afraid. We talked this weekend about this life that our kids are growing up in. Think about it. Pandemic. Unbelievable violence. The world literally upheaved that they're trying to find footing in. 
But we've said to them, and I'm saying to us all today, there's no panic in heaven, only plans. And the captain is at the wheel, and folks, he's smiling. So God is good, and he's watching. God is good, and he's listening. God is good, and his face can be found. Exactly a hundred years ago, folks, Sevilla Martin wrote the words of the song. They're still true today. She sang it so beautifully. I sing, she said, because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. She said this, his eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. So have a gobstopper, hope-filled, good day, because God is good and He's watching you. Have a gobstopper, hope-filled, good day, because God is good and His ear listens to you. Have a gobstopper, hope-filled, good day, because God is good and He's invited you to seek His face. Friends, no matter what the world throws at us or our teenagers, we can have good days. Why? Because God is good. Amen and amen.